I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. This is Play Me, your digital theater. We transform the hottest contemporary plays into bingeable audio dramas. I'm Laura Mullen. And I'm Chris Tolley. Welcome to Play Me, your ticket to some of the hottest shows by award-winning playwrights. We're back with the conclusion to the dark comedy Wildfire by two-time Governor General award-winning playwright David Paquette. Translated by Liana Brody. Here's a quick recap of parts one and two. Three triplets, Claudia, Claudette, and Claudine reckon with the memory of an unloving mother. They find ways to cope, including mailing a baby to be raised by another family. Together they die in a fire set by Claudette's son. Callum and Carol meet and fall in love over popcorn at the movies until Callum accidentally brings Carol to the place where her beloved cat died. That cat was a gift from her father when he revealed that she was not their daughter, but had been sent to them by registered mail when she was just a baby. Carol discovers that she and Colm have more in common than just a love of movies. A note to our listeners that this play contains mature themes, including suicide, and may not be suitable for all listeners. This is the conclusion of Wildfire by David Paquette. Translated by Liana Brody. Yes, there is a hammer in my television. Yes, it's my fault. Yes, I'm going to tell you why. It's because of my sexual perversion. I became aware of my problem while I was vacuuming. Oh, don't worry, there's no connection between the vacuum and my... V- Up until then, I'd, um... I never felt the need for. I mean, when people said, that got me so hot, or I couldn't control myself, I'd pretend to understand. But I didn't understand. It seems to me it's not that hard to... to, to not... to not make love. Personally, I find once a year is enough. And usually, when I do do it, I'm alone. At my age, I I told myself that's how it's going to be for the rest of my life. I made my peace with that. I'd accepted that a libido was not part of my nature. My first clue about not being normal came at age six. One night, Ginger Snap, my parents' tarantula, escaped from her cage. She came and found me in my bed, and she bit me on the neck. But I poisoned her. Ginger Snap fell down dead, her legs straight out like a starfish. I went to wake up my parents to ask them what was wrong with my blood. They never had a chance to tell me. 
Ginger Snap got to them first. They really aren't. Thank you very much, Mr. Anyway, this one afternoon, I'm vacuuming, which I love. The TV is on, as usual. I can see what's on, but I can't hear a thing. I'm just listening to the sound of the vacuum, and that's when... That's when it hit me. My stomach, my loins, my thighs. I was feeling parts of my body. My body didn't know it had. Oh. On screen, there was the face of a man. The kind of man who melts your insides all over. I told myself that was the first and last time I would feel that in my life. Wrong. A second photo appeared on the screen. Another man, same shock, same power. I wanted him in front of me. Inside me, for the first time in my life, I I wanted it. I wanted it bad. I wanted it now. I wanted it all over my pants. I had all I needed to be happy. Lips, loins, but above all, lust. I had to know who these men were. Find a way to contact them, to meet them, and to touch them. I'd started listening to the program, and that's when I almost... It was... It was a documentary on... Serial killers. I was fantasizing about murderers. These men were assassins. The first one collected his ex's tibias. The second one scalped 18 blondes to make himself a bath mat. As for me, looking at their photos, I felt... Quite a lot. I was inflamed by monsters. Inflamed like never before. I took my hammer and I stopped my TV from bringing me to life. But it was too late. Their faces were already engraved on my brain. I started to dream at night. To dream one of those men was taking me every night in a new position. I even even dreamt of both of them at the same time. I never breathed that hard in my life. I woke up feeling good. Cheerful, chipper, energized. I did my groceries, my laundry, my dusting, my windows, my neighbors' windows. Everyone noticed the change. The butcher, the pharmacist, the lady at the bakery. They all told me I had wonderful color, glowing, radiant. I told them I was in love. And I prayed it wasn't true. After a while, I started I started to think about it even when I wasn't dreaming. I didn't want to, but it, it would come over me mid-afternoon or in the evening. This one time, it was too much for me. I couldn't resist. I went to the library. I got an internet station and typed their names on the keyboard. But I didn't read the stories of murder and blood. Oh, no. I just looked at their pictures. 
one hand on the mouse and the other on the beast. The minute that I got home, I took a shower. It was not normal to want this. The real monster was me. I had to stop. And I found the solution. Collecting figurines. Figurines are fun. From now on, I'd look at them instead. It'd be safer that way. Every time I had a craving, I'd buy a figurine. Oh, I found all kinds of them. Monkeys bowling, but <laughs> the pins look like bananas. Little mice skipping rope, wearing clown shoes. Love-struck penguins holding hands. I mean, flippers. Crickets with straw hats. Kites that smiled. Bees eating honey. But my all-time favorite figurine was the carousel. It's a carousel with children on it. The children are smiling. It worked. My color faded. My life became dull again. I was unhappy. Everything was perfect until the headlines of April 18th. On the front page, it said, Have you seen the hammer? And there was a police sketch. My loins woke up. A murderer was prowling the city. Four victims in four nights, all killed by the blows of a hammer. Judging by the police sketch, this man was not only dangerous, he was delicious. I felt flushed like a sunburn from the inside. From head to toe, all my muscles relaxed. I felt good. And I, I wanted to stay that way. See, every day, millions of people forget to be happy. I was tired of being one of them. I had a choice between figurines and flesh. I chose flesh. I waited for midnight while doing Sudokus, and then I went for a walk. I went to dingy neighborhoods. No go zones. I hung around alleys, even dogs avoid. I didn't know where to go, so I listened to my pulse, like following a compass. But I didn't look at it. I felt it. I turned a corner, and I found myself in a blind alley. Dark. Deserted. Lifeless. I started to sweat. I had to go in. I passed garbage cans. Rats. In the distance was a shadow. I moved closer. A silhouette appeared. It was a man. In his hands, he had a hammer. I started running towards him. He started running towards me. I saw him gather himself, raise his arm towards the sky, take aim at my skull. I said... Hi, I'm Caroline. I would never know what the man saw in me. 
but there was no hammer blow. There was just a look. And that's how my fever began. I felt like I was boiling. What's the point of a sweater? I took everything off. I couldn't stand being covered anymore. I was tired of touching my clothing. The man did as I did. I lay down in the mud. He lay down on my skin, and then he entered me slowly. I closed my eyes. It's real. What I feel, it's real. We'll be right back. I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. You understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. When I opened my eyes, my figurines were there. They followed me. They formed a large circle around us. They were all there in the alley in motion. The monkeys were bowling. The penguins were waddling. The mice were skipping. And the others were dancing. The crickets with the kites. The dolphins with the airplanes. The honey with the bees. And the carousel was turning, turning round and around. And the children were smiling, smiling wider and wider. I started hearing songs, seeing fireworks, confetti. It was no longer an alley. It was a tunnel. I was a tunnel of colors. A one-way ticket to heat. My curio collection became a brass band, a parade of figurines. I heard drums, trumpets, applause. They started to vote. The figurines started to vote. They were holding little scorecards over their heads and they were voting for us. Ten out of ten. On every card. Ten out of ten. Ten out of ten. That's what I deserved. I was a winner. Ten out of ten. I even saw a twelve out of ten. I was right to do what I was doing. Play seven minutes in heaven. Howl like a dog at the end of an alley. Go ahead. Eat my flesh, thighs, breasts, and spare ribs. Go ahead. Touch my hole, my black hole. Make me disappear. I consume, you consume me. We consummate, spit each other out. So alive, slaves to saliva. I feel you, and you feel I. We feel, we grasp, we clasp, we writhe. We go down deep. Archaeology. Descent 
to paradise, rainbow in the mud, nirvana at the end of an alley, eighth wonder of the world between my thighs, my legs contract, my eyes dilate. I have no border, butter, cream, viscous, vicious, victorious. I am wildfire, bonfire, burn, purple, yellow, orange, red, taste, lick, flow, spit, swallow, burn, burn, burn. When I came to, I was alone. The man was gone. So were the figurines. There was only me. I put my pants back on. My sweater, my shoes, my coat, my scarf. And I walked home. Soon as I got in, I went straight to bed without my shower. Slept like a baby. I woke up feeling great. I made myself eggs, bacon, sausage, pancakes, roast potatoes, baked beans, coffee, and juice. Oh, I was hungry. Then I saw the paper. The hammer strikes again. That night, before or after me, the man had murdered a grandmother and her grandson. When the police arrived, they had a hard time distinguishing between the bodies because... because the hammer had hit so hard. I wasn't hungry anymore. I went and had my shower. I needed to forget. No TV, no pictures, no papers. Just figurines. No alley, no happy, no hammer. Just figurines. No sweat, no fever, no flesh, no flesh, no flesh. Just figurines. Fine figurines. Funny, fancy, fine figurines. But I couldn't forget. I had a souvenir in my belly, and it was not a figurine. I decided to keep it. What goes in must come out, and everything would return to the way it was before. I would give birth to a little boy to replace the one who died that night. And with a little luck, I, too, would become a grandmother, and I could go back to my vacuum cleaner. An ultrasound was out of the question. I was too scared they'd tell me, Ma'am, you're carrying a monster. I already knew it was true. The day of the birth, I didn't scream. I didn't cry. I didn't doubt. I just pushed. I wanted my little boy. Unfortunately, I didn't have a little boy. I had a girl. And another and another fucking triplets. 
they popped out one by one. I felt like a factory, a hen, a cookie oven. It was quite the challenge, especially when they were awake. The screaming, the crying, the laughing times three, sometimes at the same time, sometimes a relay. We were a long way from fine figurines. When it got to be too much, I'd lose it. I'd start yelling. I should have had a fucking IUD. But at night, I watched them as they slept. And I thought they were beautiful. They looked so much like the... I'd even sing them a little song. Turn, turn, carousel, carousel, carousel. Smile, smile, children do. Life is ahead of you. I've always loved my daughters, you know, but I could never show it to them. I could only hope they didn't have my blood or their father's. That was the conclusion to Wildfire by David Paquette, translated by Liana Brody. We'll be back next with an in-depth interview with both the playwright and translator. Chris, there's just something about this play that touches me that I I actually find hard to articulate. These characters are so unusual in their behavior, but I feel really moved by them in a way that makes me feel like I have an intimate connection with them because they're so generous and vulnerable in sharing with us their loneliness and, and hurt that their mother caused. Mm-hmm. Yes, you know, the, the language is just so evocative as well. It's it's rich and these characters are just so memorable. I'm I'm still thinking about this show weeks after we recorded it. And I also love how unique and unusual this play is because you you just really have no idea where it's going until it just all of a sudden comes all together in the last act and it happens just so unexpectedly. I really hope that more of David's plays receive English language productions because we just need to experience more of this incredible writer's work. Chris, can I read you a little bit from an email we received? Yeah, absolutely. So we got this uh, just recently. Hello, my name is Dean and I'm from Winnipeg. I just recently trained and began driving a truck this year. In winter, as you know, we get a lot of snow, which means a lot of snow hauling. My nights go by nice and steady with the help of CBC. I can Bluetooth my phone onto the Alpine system, which is crisp, full surround sound and stereo, which makes it great for playing for a 3D feel. The show entertains my mind on long nights. Mm. I just love the image of Dean listening to these plays while he's driving his truck in these cold winter nights in Winnipeg. And, and you know, that was our dream when we created Play Me. It was to bring theatre to new people and unique places. Yeah, we would love to hear from our listeners about where and how they listen to Play Me. Are you taking in plays while making dinner, exercising, or unwinding on the couch after a long day? Let us know and we might share your response here on the podcast. You can email us at playme at cbc.ca. 
Wildfire was translated by Leona Brody from Le Brasier by David Paquette. The original theatrical production was directed by Sohil Parza. It featured Zorana Sadiq, Sue Gray, and Paul Dunn. David Paquette's Le Brasier was a creation of the company L'Homme Allumette, first presented on the Jean-Claude Germain stage of the Théâtre du Centre d'Aujourd'hui, Montreal, in the fall of 2016. This episode's sound design and edit are by Chris Tolley. We'd love to know what you think about Play Me. You can connect with us by emailing playme at cbc.ca. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Play Me through Google or Apple Podcasts. By subscribing, you can listen to all our past shows and you won't miss a single one of our new episodes. And while you're there, we would love it if you would consider rating and reviewing us. It helps spread the word about our podcast, bringing theatre to a whole new audience. Play Me is produced by Laura Mullen and Chris Tolley in partnership with CBC Podcasts. Our associate producer is Mary Chris Rivera. A special thanks to our CBC team. Anna Ashate is our digital producer, and our executive producer is Cecil Fernandez. The director of CBC Podcasts is Arif Narani, and the executive director is Leslie Merklinger. Play Me is funded by the Canada Council for the Arts and the Ontario Arts Council. Play Me is an Expect Theatre production. For more information about our plays, please visit playmepodcast.com. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.